Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us on this Friday, end of the week edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show on the Radio America Network, in for Jim Garrity, who is off on on official business for National Review Online out west. Uh, Chad, always good to have you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Good to be here. It's been a week, man. It has. It's been a very busy week here in Washington and beyond. We'll get to all of it. So busy, in fact, we're kind of squeezing four martinis into three here. But who's who's going to complain at uh, four for the price of three? Especially when, Nobody. Especially when three of them are good. So let's start real quickly here on the significance of President Trump today. And by the time uh, a lot of folks hear this, he'll have already done this, becoming the first president not to address the March for Life, but to do it in person uh, down there on the mall. Plenty have done it over the phone. Some have done taped messages uh, that are video messages, but he's going to be there live and in person. Uh, it's going to be a huge gathering that the media probably won't pay much attention to, uh, although maybe they will since he's actually showing up. But uh, a lot of folks have uh, talked the talk. He's actually walking the walk here, Chad. What do you make of it? Well, you know, again, he's he's going there in person. And again, you, you talked about the fact that Many presidents have, have have tried to do something. This is that touchy. You, you can't win for losing, lose for winning. You know, you you show up and automatically, you, you know, they're going to say you hate women, even though there's going to be tons of women there. You don't show up and that you hate this. It's it's tough, but this will get eyeballs because it's Trump, and you know Trump can't go anywhere where there's no first. There's controversy everywhere he goes, and secondly, and most importantly, somewhere in there he's going to drop. Yes, some sort of craziness about him being impeached. <laughs> Witch hunt, hoax. Yeah, it's a, there's no way he doesn't bring it up. But meanwhile, the, the president's uh, Twitter feed today, is, he doesn't want to see his defense start on a Saturday morning since not many people will be watching TV then. He wants it to start on Monday. We'll see if he gets his way. Republicans control the Senate, so they might have a little bit of something on Saturday morning. But eventually it'll get uh, going in earnest on Monday. Our good martini today, at least our first one, really maybe our second one here, I guess, depending on how we're counting all these, um, there are really only a few Republicans in the Senate that Democrats had any realistic hope of winning over. Maybe Mitt Romney, maybe Susan Collins, maybe Lisa Murkowski. But the Democrats have pretty much lost Lisa Murkowski, it looks like here, Chad. And they've done yeah. it with their arguments. And that's kind of the, the most amazing thing here. Uh, this all goes back to Tuesday's opening part of the opening statements. They had three days of opening statements. The first one was kind of just the wide sweep. Uh, then on Thursday, they got to their allegations of abuse of power. And today it's going to be obstruction of Congress. But uh, Jerry Nathan, when they were going through all these different uh, rules debates uh, on Tuesday, was uh, talking about the need to subpoena John Bolton. And they went through this on a lot of different subpoenas and a lot of documents. And essentially the argument from Jerry Nadler is, hey, if you don't agree with us, you're just as much of the cover-up as Trump is. Here's how he put it on the specific amendment request for subpoenaing John Bolton. Uh, this was, I think, around midnight, maybe even a little bit later, on, on, uh, in the middle of the night on the Senate floor. So the question presented as to Ambassador Bolton is clear. It comes down to this. Will the Senate do its duty and hear all the evidence? Or will it slam this door shut and show it is participating in a cover-up? Not well taken by Lisa Murkowski. Uh, she tells Manu Raju of CNN, who made his own headlines in the last few days, uh, she told him, quote, I took it as very offensive 
As one who is listening attentively and working hard to get to a fair process, I was offended. Uh, swing vote Lisa Murkowski said of Nadler's presentation and his accusation of a GOP cover-up. But she wasn't done. She told The Hill, it's kind of like the House made a decision that they didn't want to slow things down by having to go through the courts. In other words, to fight the administration over subpoenas and whether these figures like John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney testify. And she says, quote, yet now they're basically saying you guys need to go through the courts. We didn't, but you need to. That's kind of where we are. So, uh, Chad, it's almost like these House impeachment managers could write a book of how to offend your jury without really trying. You know what's funny about uh, that's been more than a few occasions I've heard other senators say, look, you know what? It's been 48 days. You guys impeached him in 48 days. Now you want us to do all of your work for you. You rushed it through. And you want us to go through the process of more fact finding, of of doing all of these things. And that's on you. That's not on us. We're supposed to hear what you're bringing us. We're not supposed to continue to fact find and then we'll hear more of it. And that's the thing that I think people don't understand is is the how fast they went and did this. 48 days is nothing. Look how long Mueller took. Right. You go and look at Nixon, how long that took. Same thing with Clinton. And this was 48 days, and they felt they had to do it. And at this point in time, I think that the more they talk, the more they realize they're not getting through to anybody. And insulting anybody isn't, as you know, isn't going to make it easier to win them on your side. Well, as you know, Chad, uh, engaging with folks on social media, the more you insult them, the more they're likely to agree with you, right? No, totally. That's the way it works, (laughs) right? Like that's, You know, I've been telling people this for years when it comes to Trump. When you go out and you insult everybody on the other side and then say, okay, now do you guys get it? Now now, now you guys are going to take my word for it? Now you guys are going to be on my team. It doesn't work that way. You've not befriended anybody. You've not taken a unbiased, you know, neither side's unbiased anymore. I mean, it's so tribal. But you can't go out and then accuse everybody in the room also being co-conspirators and all of these things and then inspect them and go, well, you're, you're guilting them in, you're hoping. Because you're not going to win any other way. And that's not even to mention Adam Schiff. I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before saying, you can't wait to have the uh, voters solve this in the election because we can't be sure that the process will be fair. So he's got to go now. Um, Yeah. Fascinating. Adam Schiff is the worst. All right. Let's go on to really good martini number three. And uh, this is exposing Elizabeth Warren's progressivism uh, in real time. Uh, This is a dad in Grimes, Iowa. This is on Monday. Elizabeth Warren's last gasp in Iowa, I guess, until tomorrow, probably, uh, because she's had to be here as a, I'm sure, impartial juror in the uh, Trump impeachment trial. Uh, But she's out there in Iowa and a dad comes up and asks her about her plan to forgive college loan debt. And the audio is not great here. So we'll play the audio but uh, then I'll uh, read it to you just so you know for sure exactly what happened here. Uh, the dad comes up and uh, says, uh, I paid for my daughter's college up front. Am I going to get a refund? And Warren says, absolutely not. And then this happens. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money. And those of us who did the right thing get screwed. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. I work a double shift, work extra, my daughter's work, she is 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing and we get screwed. 
So if you missed that, he says, my daughter's in school. I saved all my money just to pay student loans. Can I have my money back? Warren, of course not. So he says, so you're going to pay for people who didn't save the money, and those of us who did right are going to get screwed. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacation. I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift. My daughter has worked since she was 10. Then the audio got really fuzzy there. This transcript says, he says to Warren, you're after me. I think he says, so you're laughing at me. Warren says, no, I'm not. Man says, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. And so, uh, Chad, free stuff. We talk about it every time you're with me, it seems like. Other people's money. She's only too happy to forgive the people who can't pay or won't pay. But uh, the people who did pay them back or the people who saved enough up front to pay it so they didn't need loans at all or, or, or much in the terms of loans, they get squat. Yeah. Well, welcome to the world of progressivism. And here's the thing. It's one of those things when you listen to them all talk and you actually ask them the question, you actually force them to answer the question of how is this going to work? What about the people who've come before and had to do all of this stuff? Because I've talked to a lot of kids and I work with a lot of uh, young young men and women that work here at the station. I'm, I'm headquartered out here in Phoenix. And I will tell you this. They don't want kids below them to have free college because they've gone and worked and they took out loans and they paid most of their loans off and they've got money from their family and they've done that. They don't want that. They feel like, hey, wait a minute, I had to do it. You guys should have to do it too. No, that's exactly right. Now, from talking to them, do you get the sense that this is a deal killer for them or are a lot of them progressive enough to the point where I hate this idea, but it, it's not a deal killer for me on, on, on a particular case? You know, it's, it's interesting. They're, you know, you're, they're younger, but they're inside the, the, the news world. And it's usually one or two things. And most of them have paid off their college. There's some that are still in college, but it, this isn't the big thing with them. Uh, you know, they would like to like everybody would like to have something free. But they're also smart enough now that they're in the workforce two, three, four years that those ideas have faded away about what free really looks like because they know nothing is free. Because the only way you're going to get something free is if somebody else pays for it, either with their money or their time and effort. And they're in the point now where they're seeing their time and effort and their money being taken away from so this guy and millions of others have done the responsible thing, and others are in the process of doing the responsible thing and paying back their loans. But politics and, and policy is a, is a system of incentives. And if you take away the incentive to pay back the loans, why would anyone pay them back? If the government's going to forgive them anyway, uh, all, yeah. of, all of a sudden, everybody's just going to college on the, the dime of other people. Yeah, and you, should, you, you won't have to qualify for school, right? Like everybody should be allowed to go. If you're getting public money, you can't deny me access everybody should be allowed to go so now all of a sudden there's 50 million people in college you can't get a you know it takes you 20 years to graduate because you only get one class a day it's uh yeah it's insane i mean again it's craziness that this whole idea of and they're the ones who broke the system right they're the ones who took over the student loans they're the ones who did all of this stuff in a lot of ways they're they're the responsible for this and they just don't see it. And, and the whole thought process of the insanity of, of free stuff, I just it boggles my mind. Right. It just bog. I just I again, I would love to have a free lunch, but either I have to make it and by making it, it means I have to go out and earn the money to buy this stuff to make my sandwich. You're giving me a little bit of hope here, though, because if the people who are still in the process of paying off their loans or just did, the, the young folks you're talking to out there, uh, are seeing through the fact that free doesn't really mean free. Um, what about the folks who have been around a, a little bit longer? Do you get the sense that uh, maybe it's just inside 
the liberal Twitter bubble that uh, ideas like free tuition and free student loan debt relief are, are really popular? Or is this something you think uh, more folks are, are warming up to than, than we realize? You know, the, 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 you talk about the bubble. The funny thing is I have a lot of progressive friends, and they all say in an ideal world, but I know that that's not a world that's a reality. I think they all know it, right? They all know that none of this stuff is real, but they hope for it. And, I, and that's cool. Like, like, I want everybody to have a chance to go to college and not have to come out and, and have a, you know, decide themselves, hey, look, I've got a house payment, so I can't afford a house because I have to pay for my school and all. I want all, I, I want a lot of what those people want, too, but I also realize what the reality is in the world. And more and more, they're starting to understand that, and, and th- they still love the ideas, but they also know that none of it's real. But there is that certain group of people that do live in a bubble who seem to think, that if Bernie or, or or any of these people get their way, they'll just confiscate as much wealth as possible and try to turn their you know their dreams into reality. It's gonna be fascinating to watch. It already looks like uh, the progressives are siding more with Bernie than Warren. They see him as more the true believer, and maybe they just don't like her for a variety of reasons, obviously. But it's going to be fun to see uh, whether or not she's really tanking, or whether there's going to be a fight over that progressive wing here as we get to the vote counting in the next couple of weeks. All right, let's get to Bernie. Let's talk about Bernie because he, uh, we talked about yesterday in the three martini lunch that he's surging, at least according to one poll. He's now up up 12 in New Hampshire, according to WBUR. Uh, CNN's got him up three nationally. Just a month ago, he was down six to Biden. He's up, uh, he's up 12 in New Hampshire, not on Biden, by the way. That's on Buttigieg. So Biden would be way back. Um, but uh, now the knives are coming out for Bernie because the Democrats realize he's the extremist far left wing. We need a guy who's palatable to the independents. They're pretty sure that means Biden and uh, perhaps Warren more so than Bernie. And so they're going digging. They've had years to do this since he announced his candidacy in 2015, uh, if not before that. And, of course, now he's running again. But it's only in a couple of weeks leading up here that they're they're going into the dumpster diving on Bernie Sanders. And guess what? They're coming up with some things. Uh, this is from the Daily Beast, uh, quoting Bernie Sanders back in 1977. And, of course, it's race-related. Basically today, Sanders says, imagine this in a Brooklyn accent, Vermont workers remain slaves in many, many ways, he said, comparing the burgeoning service industry in the nearly all-white state to the enslavement of black Americans at the nation's founding. Quote, the problem comes when we end up with an entire state of people trained to wait on other people. So here you got Bernie Sanders uh, equating service uh, labor with uh, slave labor. And don't forget, a few months ago, uh, Joe Biden was under the gun for his uh, busing position back in the 1970s. So, Chad, it's 2020 and uh, it's coming down to two guys here, it looks like. And we're going to find out who is the bigger racist in 1975. It's insane, but they don't like him. Like here, and this is what I try to what I talk about on my show is Bernie's not a Democrat. He's an independent. He caucuses with them. He's closely aligned with them because his views are at least semi-democratic side of the aisle compared to the Republican side of the aisle. But he's still an independent. I mean, Hillary came out and says nobody likes him. He even came out this week and says, look, I'm not warm. I'm not warm. I'm not fuzzy. I don't shake your hand. I'm not going to send you a birthday card or a Christmas card. You know, he he's totally fine with who he is. And Joe Rogan came out and endorsed him today and said, you know, one thing about him is he's he's the most honest of all in his beliefs and how he's kept those beliefs. And I will absolutely say that 110 percent. Nobody on either side 
is as real as Bernie, except for maybe Ted Cruz, but as far as who they've been their entire lives. I mean, even look at look at Elizabeth Warren. She I'm 49. When she was 49, she was a Republican. Yeah. So it's yeah, he is he's very genuine, but that scares him because he does see things more like Venezuela than what we are today. And he sees people as anybody who doesn't have that 1%, which will eventually become the 5%, will eventually become the 10%. Everybody else underneath them, you're all slaves and you're all, you know, this, these are oligarchs and you guys are nothing. Yeah, he's got an authenticity factor, but I'd, I think I'd rather have the, uh, the phony non-commie than the honest full commie. But uh, yeah. maybe, that's just, maybe that's just me. Uh, what do you think the Hillary hatred bump is worth to Bernie? I assume it's only going to help him. You know what? I think it'll help him a little bit, but he's got a huge base, man. It's a much bigger base than people realize. There's the there was the people that stood around and stuck around the entire time, and he's added new people to that, and he's going to be formidable along the way. Uh, it'll look Hillary. I mean, again, you know. Half of the reason Trump's president is because everybody couldn't stand Hillary. So if Hillary comes out and says something horrible about you, you're going to get a nice bump in 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 the way this thing goes. I'm surprised Tulsi Gabbard's not sitting at the top uh, of everything. But he is he's he's cantankerous and he's genuine. People, for whatever reason, resonate with that. Plus, he's promising everybody, you know, rainbows, unicorns and, and all of that stuff. Yes, without ever smiling, which is kind of an odd combination. Um, but uh, Tulsi might not be sitting at the top, but she could be sitting on $50 million soon. She's not going to win the yeah, lawsuit, but... Uh, no, I mean, she's not going to win the lawsuit. It's fun to talk but, about. Uh, you know what? Jill Stein, though. If Jill Stein had a lawsuit, I think Jill Stein would have a better chance. She said outright, well, you know, Jill Stein is a, is a Russian asset. That's, I mean, you just came out and said that, like... Do you know that? How do you know that? Well, because, you know, I mean, well, I'm sure you know because you got all kinds of sneaky secrets that nobody ever knows about. And it's in that server. But <laughs> it's it's still it's she said that like out loud. That's true. She never actually mentioned Tulsi by name. So she's got no. a flimsy layer of plausible deniability there. But, yeah, Jill Stein, she uh, she called out loud and clear by name. So, uh, Chad, good week. Good end to the week. Thanks for filling in. And, hey, you enjoyed it so much. You're coming back Monday. Absolutely, man. You have yourself a good week uh, weekend, and let's do it again. Awesome. Chad Benson, host of the Chad Benson Show, Radio America Network. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. As you know, Jim is out west. He'll be back on Tuesday, as you just heard. Chad will be here Monday. In the meantime, subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a great review. Have a great weekend, and tune in again on Monday. See you then.